Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good afternoon and warm welcome to you. This is The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour. And it's Monday, the 20th of March. Really pleased to have in studio with me, Philip Pepe, joining us from Shaw & Partners, as well as David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Guys, good to see you. And look, extraordinary times in markets, mm. David. Would you think we have a bit more volatility ahead of us? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, we certainly have. We've, uh, you know, it's been pretty, pretty devastating uh, fall in the last, uh, Few weeks, that's for sure. Since uh, since February, middle of February, isn't it funny that from the beginning of January, the ASX 200 has rallied like 550 points, and since then it's come back down 550 points to back to support again. So it's just below 7,000 at the moment. In fact, even less than where it was at the beginning of January. So you know, no doubt this week with the Fed, uh, there's going to be some volatility in the commentary that comes out, and the rate um, obviously we're expecting a you know 25 basis point rise. So yeah, no doubt there's um, there's still you know I wonder if there's any skeletons in the closet out there to come out you know. Yeah, I mean we're consistently told that our banking system is very different here. But Philip, you've been around for a while. You know, likely this Credit Suisse UBS uh, isn't the last skeleton in the closet. Look, it probably isn't. Uh, we've seen this movie before, and I did the analysis just for internal purposes, showing how our banking sector held up during previous economic shocks. Mm -hmm. It has held up better for good reasons. We have a very strong banking system. We have a very strong regulator. Mm -hmm. We have a more, I would say, a more organized market than the other parts of the world. That doesn't help people. It doesn't help calm people's nerves because there's always a, this time's going to be different. What do we know now? Or what's new that's different to the last time that worked? So when you hear, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, maybe some people knew about them, maybe some people use it. Everyone's heard of Credit Suisse. So when, when the bigger banks start to get into trouble, it, it genuinely makes people nervous and it's almost a case of, well, I don't care how solid the Australian banking system is, do I need to be invested in the banking sector is a common discussion uh, people have at the moment and at the moment the fear versus greed argument. Fear is winning, share markets have been down, um, even though our fundamentals remain sound, uh, much better than the other side of the world. Yeah. People are going to want to see some evidence before um, racing back into equity markets. I think. Yeah, I just read some interesting statistics. Like in the US, you've got four and a half thousand regional banks. We've got here a total of ninety-seven, which including the four big ones, which including fintech and all the other ones. So you know, um, we're not exposed to these cocoa bonds. That's uh, yeah. just that Credit Suisse. Uh, that uh, were issued, um, you know, amazing investors take it. You know, it, it's always the case, isn't it? Like we've got a zero rate environment when we had that, the risk profile goes up dramatically. And of course that changes when interest rates are moving up. The good news is I think if there's any light at the end of the tunnel is you're starting to see bond yields come down. Yeah. And so inflationary pressures are moving down with the, especially with energy costs and oil in particular, also easing. So that will ease off, I think, inflationary pressures and you could see a pause in, pause and interest rate rises. 
for you know we'll see this week with what the Fed says, but I think that's the case, which will give investors some confidence. I think that's the hope. There, there is the view internally is that if the Fed pauses, are they pausing because oh no, there's something wrong? We need to pause. Uh, so we've we've stopped looking at inflation. We're now looking at a meltdown. So it's almost like you want the Fed to raise by 25 bips to say, we're still focused on inflation. That problem is isolated. It's business yeah. as usual for us because if they start getting more defensive, that oh, might, yeah. might do more harm than good. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Look, guys, I wish we could sit and talk about this uh, for ages, but we do have a list of stocks to get to. And I have a viewer, regular viewer, I should say, email this morning and say, instead of doing a stock of the day related to news, why don't we ask the guys for what they would buy if this market pulls back more significantly. So with that in mind, I'll run you through the companies that we'll talk about to start, and that will be Atlantic Lithium, Credit Corp, Future Generation Global, Southern Cross Electrical, and Grange Resources. But to my earlier point, let's get a stock from both of my guests. I've had a few moments to think about it. Uh, what would you buy, Philip, if we did see a big and more significant pullback? Look, if it had to be a stock as opposed to cash, because obviously we're finally getting a return on our cash investments, it has to be a gold stock. Um, we're finally seeing the flight to quality that isn't flight to safety, that isn't Bitcoin, and it's on people's minds. Gold is getting back to where it would normally be in times of uncertainty, around the $2,000 an ounce. Um, you want a, a large liquid gold producer, Australian-based, that pays a small dividend. For me, that's Northern Star. It's... Uh, its market cap is over the 12 and a half bill before this morning. It's up again today, pays a small dividend. You'd expect the if this volatility continues, the Aussie, the US dollar gold price to keep rallying. And if the Aussie dollar continues to weaken, I think it's at 67 cents as of this morning, that's a double positive. So gold companies are probably good diversifier in normal conditions anyway. In times of excess volatility, as we have at the moment, you've got to own a large liquid gold company. And for me, it's uh, Northern Star. Got it. Uh, Thanks. I see you nodding along with that, David. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it uh, supports my stock actually coming up, which is DDH1 Limited, or DDH is the ticker code. Um, it's a drilling company and it's state-of-the-art drilling equipment that it provides to the gold sector, you know, predominantly. And uh, they took over Swick Mining recently, so which is one of the biggest underground drilling companies. And they have a 7.2% fully frank dividend yield, which grossed up would be 10.3% in a bank. That's likely to go up. It's on a six times earnings multiple. Um, the company's also instituting a share buyback. I mean, down here, it's, it's incredibly great, great value down here, 80% return on equity. And the demand for the drilling equipment is just going up. So with, especially with the gold price uh, where it's heading right now, there's just a huge demand for their equipment. So to me, that's a standout buy, regardless of what happens, because it's not just gold, they're, they're also providing it to other commodities as well so of course it's all based on the commodity cycle but right now it's um it's a strong buy in my view mm -hmm. regardless there you go the gift that keeps on giving there are two buys uh, from my guests uh, where they're looking for a bit of protection through these volatile times hope that uh was good for you let's get to these stocks that have been nominated by our guests and the first one has been picked by Jason, and that is Atlantic Lithium. I was just gonna check my screen, guys, because we're talking about the flight to safety in terms of gold. Lithium miners also doing pretty well today. Uh, what is your view on lithium in general, Philip, and would you be putting money into Atlantic Lithium, which is A11 ticker code? I had a look at it this morning. Uh, for me, it's a sell. 
primarily because uh, it's burning cash. Uh, I never pronounce it correctly. The spodumene price uh, mm -hmm. has been going the wrong way for it um, up until very recently. So its share price, like many commodity players, has just tracked the commodity it, it, it produces. So in this case, spodumene, so it's fallen, um, fallen backwards. But for me, cash burning company, it's not well covered, but looking at what's in consensus, it needs 50 to $100 million in cash injection in the next two years, maybe 50 million each year. So for me, you'll get it at some stage, you're gonna to have to tap the market and you'll get a chance to buy it lower. And then if the, if the capital markets are shut, they're gonna to struggle to, um, to continue uh, at the current cash rate. So for me, it's a cash burner, not in the most ideal commodity. If it was gold or if it was iron ore, they seem to be flavor of the month at the moment, I, I would have a closer look. But uh, lithium at the moment, I would avoid this one because of its need, it, short term needs for cash and I'm just not positive many cash burners at the moment. So it's a sell for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, they've got a very good lithium project. I mean, it's, it's not a, they're not a producer, and uh, and Philip's quite right. They they'll need to do a capital raise. I mean, they've got fourteen million US in the bank. Um, I think what's their last market cap here? Just I was just looking at it. Um, is uh, just recently is about three hundred, just under three hundred million. Um, look, the, the other thing is it's based in Ghana and the Ivory Coast, uh, so you've got that sovereign risk as well. But look, the, the net present value of the, the, you know, the pre-feasibility study, depending on where lithium prices go, of course, in the future, we've got a very good net present value of US 1.3 billion internal rate of return of 224%, which is excellent based on their current reserve and production outlook. But again, they get, no doubt they're, they're, um, they will be looking to raise more funds, uh, that's for sure. But look on the on the metrics, uh, you know, when you look at the, the like I said, forward looking, and again, who knows where the lithium price will be? It looks pretty good. Um, now, I wouldn't be wouldn't be my preference to buy right now. I'd have it on the watch list, but uh, I would certainly, if you're looking for an exploration company, this is the one I'd, I'd pick in the lithium space. But my number one pick is Pilbara Mining. If you're going to buy that space, you can't go past Pilbara. It's just based on the amount of cash they're spitting out is huge mm -hmm. at the moment. So, you know, I think there's a great opportunity to buy Pilbara down here at the moment. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Bit of disagreement there, but that's good. And you've got an extra idea coming from David Novak, which is Pilbara. All right. Let's get to the next on the list. This one is for Paul. It is Credit Corp. He says, I feel it's a super buy. All the evidence seems to point to the fact that this is the perfect time for Credit Corp. Um, Philip, would you agree? Because we now seem as if we're going to be hitting recession in the US. Yeah, it, it's a quality business and it's certainly developed a dominant market share in Australia. Uh, my concerns with the company are the US, which is about 20% of its profits based on the first half result. Its first half was down 30%. It's a debt collector, for one of yeah. the better phrase. It buys debts off, it buys ledgers off the banks and then it sends in the dollar and then spends more time collecting it that the banks would, so it makes a profit that way. Uh, we're just now starting to see the issues with rising interest rates and rising defaults. So if they've priced their ledgers based on most recent uh, default rates, Clearly those are going up, maybe they won't make a profit on those books that they thought, particularly in the US where we're really cranking the um, cranking the handbrake over there and the banking issues are emerging in the US, not in Australia. So for me, it's not a screaming buy, it's a watch out, eyes wide open, it's probably cheap. Uh, I would actually err on the side of just selling it because you'll get it's a liquid enough stock, you'll get a chance to buy it back once we see how the next six months play out in the US. But 
in my opinion, uh, their, the, their industry conditions in the US are getting a lot more challenging uh, with credit growth slowing, with default rates going up. Their profitability has to look challenged going forward. So for me, it's not a sector I'd be investing in at the moment, it's, it's a sell. Do you agree? Uh, look, I guess, yes. I, I think right now this would be an avoid uh, for the time being. Um, again, they, they had a significant drop in their earnings in the first half, but they've reaffirmed guidance for this year back to 1997 million net profit after tax. Uh, but look, it's not, it's a sector that, you know, as Philip outlined, the, the, with rising interest rates and, you know, recessionary, you know, um, threats going forward. Uh, it's not a sector you want to be in right now. Even though it's a debt collector, you'd think you know it'd be quite positive. But also, the, there's a threat of a also a downgrade in earnings as well. So it's not right now the trend as well, because that's what I follow uh, as well. As the, the trend's not your friend right now, so it's not certainly not a screaming buy. That's for sure. So yeah, for the time being, have it on your watch list. Uh, but I wouldn't be buying it. Okay. And I'd be selling because there's better opportunities elsewhere. Right, got it. So that's two sales for Credit Corp. Let's get to the next on the list. And uh, this is Future Generation Global. So just for those of you who aren't aware of what Future Generation does, it is an LIC essentially. So you've got a whole bunch of fund managers in there that are managing this portfolio for Future Generation. And uh, what's the upside of it um, is also that it gives some money back to social impact, um, you know, to charity, essentially. So there is a little bit of a feel good factor when it comes to future generation global. So we've got this one on the list. Thanks to Tim. Tim is wanting to know if it's a good place to put your money. Um, look, it's a bit of a different prospect. It's a different mm. type of investment. Um, what do you think? It would not be my pick in the LICs, that's for sure. I mean, it's really been an underperformer. I mean, if you really look at the returns since inception uh, back in September 2015, I mean, it's had a cumulative return of 6.5%. Last year, they, they dropped not 21%. Um, you know, so it's it's not, it's, it's you know, if you're looking for an LIC, there's much better picks out there. I mean, I'd go in hearts and mind would be my pick, and especially the discount that that's showing at the moment. That's got the best minds in the game, um, you know, that uh, select uh, the portfolio. And it's also very much diversified. So this one's just investing in different funds. Um, but look, I just can't, um, you know, it's got a fully frank yield of about 6%, but it's just overall, um, its performance has not been great. And, you know, you're much better off with, um, if you're going in that space, the LIC, then hearts and minds would be my pick rather than this one. And they also have, I mean, I like the fact that they've got a social conscience, you know, and they're putting money out to make a difference, which is what Hearts and Minds does as well. But geez, if you look at the discount to NTA of that one, it's 21%. And they've got stocks like Microsoft in there. Uh, that's the one I'd be picking. And it's a bit bigger fund than this one. So not for my money. Because you do always want to look at the NTA when considering these, this type of investment vehicle. Oh, yeah, and the portfolio construction. But this one is more diversified into funds rather than mm -hmm. individual stocks. Uh, the co-chair is Jeff Wilson. So you've got someone credible on the board. Uh, but if you look at the trend as well, it's not, it's not your friend. So yeah, uh, right now there's not many, thing, not many stocks out there that are in terms of trending positively right now. Uh, but this one is would not be on my buy list at all. 
I, I tend to agree. I, I would consider it a sell. Dollar uh, thirty-five NTA. It is trading a discount to that, and it does pay a healthy six percent forward franc dividend yield. If you look at the list of funds, they've got a lot of quality fund managers on the list. Just looking at the list alone, you think this is an investment worth considering. And you look at the track record nearly 200 basis points, 2% below its benchmark over a long enough period of time that yep. you just can't deny that that is an issue, a question you need to ask. So it, I don't think it's the fund managers, I think it's something to do with the con- portfolio construction or how they manage the cash flow or how they time the investment, but it's too good a lineup to deliver that amount of underperformance over that longer period of time. That's enough to say avoid, There's, look at hearts and minds or look at even one of the underlying funds on their own. It, it is a feel good investment, but yeah. not if you're losing 200 basis points versus the benchmark, that doesn't make you feel very good. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, there is your answer, Tim. I do hope that that helps you in regards to your thinking about future generation global. FGG is the ticker code there. Well, we are motoring right along in this program let's get to southern cross electrical and i'm typing it in because i actually don't know where it's trading and and really um what it does uh philip are you familiar with this one yeah uh, it pro- we, we like the space it provides for one of the better phrase electrical products electrical components to the construction it's, it's engineering. industry it's, engineering yeah, yeah. Uh, but think of a building like there's a lot of the stuff that's behind the screens that you can't see behind the walls they supply those sorts mm-hmm. of products. So it, it is it is a growth space. It, it is um, linked to the construction space. It has some quality clients in VHP, Rio, Multiplex, Coles, Woolworths. So it's quite diversified. Uh, it goes across um, multiple sectors, not just mining, um, industrials uh, and infrastructure as well. So we really like the space. Um, my issue with it is they're not growing. So the solid first half, but they're guiding to flat to a slightly down second half. The reason for that is there's some really large resources work that's rolling off. So their forward order book uh, is actually reducing. So companies like this, they need to keep growing. So in order for investors to get excited, you need to show some sort of earnings growth, whether it's EBITDA, EPS or something. Uh, Their guidance is basically flat to down. And if they don't replenish some of the large uh, licks of work coming off, it's very hard for them to outperform um, uh, without that. Having said that, they haven't flagged it, but they've mentioned uh, they're expecting some positive news in the second half given work they're tendering on in Sydney in the areas of commercial buildings, data centers, hospitals, and rail. So those are sectors that a lot of infrastructure spend. We know it's coming because you can, you can see it in the data. So if they win those, it'll get a kick along. If they don't win any of those, the share price will probably slide because they've gone next growth. So I'm gonna call it a hold. There's some potential catalysts to come through. Uh, The fact that they're calling out the sectors, hopefully they're confident they can win some of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if they don't win any, I think the stock will struggle. So I'm going to call it a hold. So would you say that this is a company that suffered because it has had sort of too much risk or too much too much association with one sort of sector up till now being the resources space? I call it uh, uh, suffering from their own good work, good luck. So they won some large contracts in the, in the resources space mm-hmm. that are rolling off and the, the contracts that they're adding on aren't big enough to replace what they're losing. And the problem with analysts is they don't smooth. They don't mean, they say, well, you did plus 10 last time, now you're doing minus 10. Yeah. Over the two-year period was probably fine, but versus the prior corresponding period, you're actually going backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so the problem is, although they're diversified, they've had one or two contracts that were actually quite large and they're rolling off. Mm-hmm. So okay. they're suffering from their own success. Yeah. Um, will mean revert, but most, most simple people like me like to see earnings go up from year to year. And if, if the earnings aren't going up, 
then people tend to wait. Yeah, and, and David, is this also an, an industry that's sort of ripe for margin compression as well? You're trying to win these contracts, so you're trying to put the best price out there. Um, yeah, look at that. Well, they seem to be uh, quite the opposite. They, they seem to be a quite demand, a high demand, uh, particularly the blue chip clientele they've got. So they've got a, they've got that pricing mechanism. In fact, to expand their margins uh, in this environment, uh, it, as long as the the cycle, the you know, the mining, they're tied to the mining cycle, of course. So as long as that, well, the good thing is they're actually a bit diversified. I've got to say, which is really a positive for them because they've got not just tied to resources, but infrastructure and commercial as well. So it's not, it's a third is in resources. So they're not so locked into one space. So I like the diversification. Look, the, the results are very solid. I mean, the company's got $70 million in the bank. They've only got a market cap of 170 million. So you take the cash out, it's got an enterprise value of 100 million. They came out with a net profit after tax of 9.7 million after tax. Their forecast EBITDA for this year will be 36 to 38 million. So it's on a multiple of like, what, six, seven times. It's very cheap. Mm-hmm. Good yield of nearly 8% fully frank. The problem is liquidity. If you look at the liquidity of the turnover of uh, average turnover of the stock, it's illiquid. It's $60,000 traded on average uh, uh, on, on a daily basis. So, you know, it's not for institutions, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But on a relative value, it's a definite hold in my book. Uh, if you've got it, especially if you bought it at lower levels, it's got a fantastic yield, but it's just not liquid. That's mm-hmm. the thing you've got to watch out for. It's a bit of a, what we call in the industry a lobster trap. Yep. You can get in, <laughs> potentially, right. but you might not be able to get out if, if things, you need to. That's right. Yeah. Things turn around suddenly. But, you know, look, it ticks a lot of boxes. It's very strong balance sheet. Yeah. yeah. You you take the point on the balance sheet for that? No, great. It's holding a lot of cash. Um, some small cap investors can go that small. But to our point earlier, in this market, liquidity is your friend and certainly companies above a billion are much more favored than those below a billion so you wouldn't rush in to buy it today but if you owned it you would happily bottom draw it and and, and wait for it okay good one thanks guys let's get to grange resources which is the next on the list and grange resources has been requested by matthew so i don't have a lot of context don't know if he's already holding grange um are you bullish on this Stop. I'm going to call it a buy. Um, it's it's an iron ore producer. It's last couple of years has done a consistent 2.6 million tons. However, with the volatility in the iron ore price, its revenue and profit fell in proportion to the iron ore price. So its profits, I'm going to call it halved um, last year or for the first half. Um, since November, the iron ore price is up 40%. Uh, so if you expect that really to continue, yeah. it's really it's hit 90 bucks a ton. It's now 130 or something. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that really snuck rough. up on us, didn't it? It did. <laughs> so the very, as my former colleague used to say, commodity stocks follow the commodity prices up. So given the leverage, it's already shown with the, um, with the iron ore price on the downside. If this continues, even if it just stays where it is and you get the pro rata, their second half should be very strong, or this current year should be very strong for them. So purely because of what the iron ore price has done, current levels, um, and the company's leverage to the iron ore price, even with volume staying flat at um, 2.6 million tonnes, I think it's a buy because you'll see pretty strong earnings come through in the second half and the balance of um, calendar year 23. So it's no more complex analysis than that other than positive view on the iron ore sector and uh, this 800 mil market cap. So it's, it's not big, but it's not small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd call it a buy. 
That's a double buy. That's here, a so. double buy. Yeah, you double know the buy. terminology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I know a lot about this company. I first became an investor back in September 2020. My only regret is I didn't buy enough of them mm-hmm. uh, when they were 25 cents. Oh, boy. Now, you know what they've paid in dividends since then? 27 cents in fully nice. frank dividends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, they, as Philip said in the, in the, in the uh, second half of last year, because the iron ore price was weaker, their earnings came back, they still paid a dividend. Um, so they're on a 5% fully frank deal. That's going to go up uh, for sure this year if the iron ore price remains. That's the big caveat where the iron ore price remains. But look, it's a Tasmanian premium, high premium pellet producer, which is in high demand for Chinese steel mills. Uh, the biggest shareholder is a Chinese company, Shangong, which has got 48%. Uh, you know, this company is spitting out the cash. I mean, you've got a, a market cap of just under 900 million on the current price right now, 300 million in the bank. And let alone, they've also got inventory and receivables of the total of half a billion. Mm-hmm. So if you take the enterprise value of 600 million, they made 177 million last year, net profit after tax. So they're gonna up that. So on a multiple on enterprise value of three times is just ridiculous. Um, plus, they're moving towards underground. They've been open pit. So in July, they're going underground, which means no strip ratio, which means their margins will be much higher. So right now with the premium pricing, I mean, if you just look at the normal iron ore price, Aussie dollar terms is over $190 Aussie. So right now they're getting more than 200. So they're getting at least $100 margin. So their average turnover is 650,000 tons per quarter. I mean, you're talking 60 to $80 million free cash flow this quarter. I mean, that's just unbelievable. So the, all of these iron ore producers, the premium ones, like even another one, the one called Phoenix, which yep. is another we know Phoenix, another yep. one that's uh, a favorite. I mean, geez, look at that one, 22%, you know, they've paid out in fully frank dividend yield, 140 million market cap, nearly 40, 49 million in the bank at the end of December. They've hedged a third of their production. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you take out that, the enterprise, it's just, you know, insane. Anyway, <laughs> you know, so um, those two stocks, I think, you know, they're, they're not your Fortescue's, of course, and you've got Mount yeah. Gibson, but I think Grange and Phoenix, both down here uh, in this half, are going to be outstanding for as long as, again, the caveat is with the iron ore price. The Chinese are not happy, though, at the moment where the iron ore price is. They're trying to do everything to bring it down, whether that works or not. But, you know, um, I, I agree that's a double buy on Grange and uh, and especially when you know they go underground the, the, the definitive feasibility study will come out in July so it'll take at least you know two years before they develop that so again where's the iron ore price going to be in two years who knows but at the moment um, geez you can't go past um, these uh, premium iron ore producers mm. I like when your mind gets blown, David. <laughs> and Phoenix, yeah. you first put that on our radar ages yeah. ago. Yeah, look, you know, the, if you look at Grange, it went from 25 cents two years later to $1.75. It's come back yeah, to it's what, 73 cents. 73 cents. Yeah. I, I did get out at around 120. I said on TV, I talked about it all the way from back then. Uh, I'm getting back in it again mm-hmm. at this price. And uh, it looks like a good support level technically. Um, I don't, there's nothing I can say that's negative about it right now. So Volatility is the word of the day. I would have thought it'd be higher, to be honest. It's not far off it. As you said, the 12-month range is $0.60 cents to $1.79. Normally, with that sort of commodity price move, 
you think it rallies one for one, but yeah. It, it, see, it's funny, isn't it? People get excited about the gold sector. I mean, it's nothing. The gold sector is nothing compared to the cash flow these iron ore producers are spitting out. Look at Fortescue, you know, as an example. But I wouldn't be jumping into Fortescue. I think Fortescue is like quite fully valued up here. But these other ones, these mid-tier or low low cap, uh, you know, mining, mm -hmm. uh, they're high, high premium ore. I mean, Champion Iron is another one, you know. They are spitting out the cash right now. Mm -hmm. so. All right. Well, that's uh, food for thought, Champion Iron and Fenix. But uh, Grange Resources, that is a buy from both of our guests. One, two, three, four, five. That's taken us to the halfway mark quite nicely. So let me just sum up what we've learned. So stock of the day, what would these guys buy, particularly as we are experiencing this volatility market being sold off? Northern Star according to Philip Pepe. So it's a diversifier, it's local, it's liquid, it pays a dividend. And David says DDH1, it's a standout buy. It's cheap, looks cheap right now, six times earning multiple. It's got a share buyback. It's in the drilling space. It's got exposure to gold. So these two stories are sort of complementing each other and he just thinks that it's great value. All right, let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you. Atlantic Lithium was first on the list. Look, David's a bit more positive. He says, keep it on the watch list, but he does prefer Pilbara. It's a sell though for Philip. He says it's burning cash. And in this rate environment, uh, he, he doesn't think that that's the ideal scenario. Um, and he's a little bit iffy on the commodity price as it has been suffering. Um, but I should note that David says Atlantic Lithium will likely have to raise capital. Credit Corp, it's a sell for Philip. Quality business, but there's a lot of unknowns as to how things will play out in the US. So he reckons that you could sell it now and you could get back in at a cheaper price. It's a sell or an avoid for David. It's in a downgrade cycle. So keep it on the watch list, but he wouldn't be buying now. Future Generation Global, look, neither of my guests see any reason to be buying this one. In fact, Philip would sell it if you're in it. It's a feel good investment, but uh, there's better places to put your money. And I think that's what David was saying as well. Opportunity cost, if you're in something like this, if you really want to gain that feel good exposure, you're better off to do it via hearts and minds, but the trend is not your friend with this one. Southern Cross Electrical, it's a hold for Philip. Uh, look, it looks like it'll have a stronger second half. Uh, however, it's, um, it's also pretty illiquid and uh, that's something you need to be careful of in this environment. David agrees. He says that it does look like pretty good value. It's a hold and it's got a pretty good yield. You wouldn't necessarily be getting into it now. And also you might find it difficult again because of that liquidity question. Grange Resources, you just heard the guys talking about it. It's a double buy. So two buys for that one. All right, let's get to the portfolio, shall we? So we've got the latest episode of the Investment Committee up online. You should take a look at that. Um, some changes were made in March. Seven Group, Jenison Education, both removed. Mineral Resources was trimmed and MA Financial and Austal were added. So let's get to the portfolio performance. So far, the fund is 6.7% higher on a cumulative return basis. And that is since its inception on March the 1st. So uh, Grange Resources will be put to the investment committee next time. And uh, I don't believe it's in there, but if it is, Credit Corp will be reconsidered because both of my guests have called it a sell. So that's how the show works. Keep sending us your questions and we'll keep putting them to our guests. 
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. So we had a question come in about Genworth Insurance, but it's been renamed to Helia Group, which is HLI. We've got a question about Telix Pharmaceuticals, Qantas, so we're going to the big end of town for a change, MoneyMe and Omni Bridgeway. So all of those companies coming up. Uh, this stock was picked by Pete. It's the Helia Group. So it's the new name for Genworth Mortgage Insurance. Uh, look, let's uh, get a view from both of my guests. So, David, is it safe to say this is not one that you follow very closely? We, this, um, the, uh, Telex, you mean? Uh, no, we're talking, Helia, or oh, Genworth, sorry, Helia. Yeah, the former Genworth. Oh, sorry, okay, I was just looking at the next one I thought That's I okay. had. Um, okay. Yeah, look, uh, I haven't, uh, I mean, it's in the mortgage market, mortgage back. I mean, the numbers here are incredible, um, what they've paid out as a dividend, um, and what they're generating is, um, you know, net profit after tax, it's 288 million recently. They uh, instituted a share buyback, completed 181 million share buyback, and they're uh, instituting another $100 million share buyback. So that just shows you the confidence um, that the management's got in it. But they paid out a 53 cents fully frank dividend, which puts it on a pretty attractive yield from what I, I saw, um, which was what, 7%, I think, is the yeah. something like that. But look, it's, it's, um, Again, it comes back to the mortgage market, doesn't it? You know, the strength of the mortgage market. I mean, and things are likely set to change. Yeah, it's had a big fall since it went ex dividend. But look, I'm going to go out on a limb here, just based on the numbers that I'm looking at, because they're also refinancing their their um, mortgages. So there's going to be some benefit there. But look, on these numbers, I've got to say, with the share buyback, I'm going to give it a buy. Okay, I'm putting it out there as a even in the face of. What's going on? The mortgage cliff that we're you have to be about. you have to be prepared to hit the sell button if it if it goes down. So I I would uh, I would be buying this, but if it went down, I was just looking at the, um, uh, what level would I get out of this? Would be the previous low that we just saw last week, which was I'm just bringing up the chart now. Two oh three. Two oh three. So yeah, look, I would I'd be buying it here, which is uh, two eighty two, and if it broke below, actually two seventy would be my stop. So be a tight stop at uh, just just around 270. So it's not much of a, mm -hmm. you know, Okay, downside. you use stops a lot, do you? Uh, occasionally, mm -hmm. depending on the company. And uh, on this case, I would, yep. uh, only because of the volatility in this particular sector. But other stocks um, like Grange and companies that have got uh, pumping out that like DDA, I wouldn't bother. Okay. That's just because the fundamentals are so good. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Hellia? Uh, I'm verging between a hold and a sell. I should say sell just to be different, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll stick to my hold rating. It offers lenders mortgage insurance. Yeah. We're yet to see that play out. Everyone talks about the mortgage cliff, the mortgage cliff. There was, um, is it 350 billion this year and next year to be refinanced. The banks are saying it's not a problem. It's all happening in an orderly manner. You'd have to think default rates have to go up, and for those who have to take it out, they're probably the most stretched. So, if we start to see um, default rates go up and the banks call on the mortgage insurers a lot more, 
you'd think they would be hit disproportionately versus the banks. It was a solid first half result. Oh, yeah. um, I spat out a lot of cash, a special and an ordinary dividend. If it wasn't for the buyback, 100 mil, which yeah. will support the share price, I would say sell into the strength. The, the buyback will hold it up for a period of time. So they're producing a lot of cash. It's, it's eyes wide open. I, I wouldn't call it a buy because Interest rates are yet to bite. We know that. Uh, everyone's saying properties holding up, retail sales are holding up. Yeah, until it doesn't. Um, we'll see that in the remainder of the calendar year. It has to happen or the Reserve Bank will keep cranking. We'll certainly see it into next year. So for me, it's not a table thumping buy. It's the best is probably behind him. We'll never see those conditions in the foreseeable future. Uh, wouldn't chase it sell into the buyback um, and take your special divvy and um, Yeah, and I want on. to qualify my buy, it's a trading buy. Trading buy, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. So I'm a trader, so that would, it would be yeah. a trading buy. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I think I think our viewers, well, many new viewers may not, but uh, yeah, David is a trader and uh, also considers things from fundamental but also technical perspective mm-hmm. as well. And, and I should do my daily reminder, this is information only, this is not financial advice. This is not tailored to your own specific circumstances. You need to do your own research or get financial advice uh, if you need to do so. All right, let's get to the next company on the list. It is Telix Pharmaceuticals. Uh, this one is for Steve. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Philip. It's it's commercializing. I mean, it, it's it's selling stuff, which is not always uh, you know where we're at when it comes to Aussie listed biotechs. It's a good way to describe it. It's a complex biotech that's selling stuff yeah. uh, and it, it's still burning money, but it's putting out positive announcements. And it's one of the few stocks that forces you to think longer term because you, you wouldn't buy this for an earnings upgrade. It has been and I think continues to be a market darling. And it has, but I'm not going to pretend to be a biotech expert, but it has put out some good announcements in, in the areas of cancer research that it specializes mm-hmm. in and the market's reacted well to it. And it's flagged that there's more positive announcements coming. Um, still burning cash, but in markets like this, you need to encourage people to think longer term. A company like Telix, you wouldn't buy it for the next six months because you don't know. The announcements can be delayed, they can be brought forward. Uh, it's a great diversifier. It, it's a good business doing great things. Um, in terms of, I think it's bowel cancer research, prostate cancer research that they focus on. Um, I'm going to call it a buy um, for no other reason than they had a recent positive announcement regarding the products that they're selling. It is actually selling some product, mm-hmm. flagged potentially higher sales in the second half and more, uh, more products to come. So I'm going to call it for a buy for no other complex reason than that. It's a complex biotech that's selling stuff. Yeah. So I'll call it a and, buy. And this is long term. This Lo- is something you term. have to. You know, this term. is not a short-term trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, companies like this are outside my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to be an oncologist to really properly assess this. Right? Yeah, but thank yeah. goodness we've got people in the world doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it's a very important area in what they're doing, and look, I'm going to rate it as a buy as well. Okay. I mean, the trend is really holding up very well, and they've got some really good, great, um, you know products that they're launching and they're getting at FDA approval, this latest one, uh, I, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Uh, it looks, I didn't try. And another one, phase three zircon study being delivering, delivering highly positive mm-hmm. results. I mean, you know, look, it's, uh, they burned through the cash, but the good news is that the cash flow burn is eased off now and they're actually moving the cash flow positive. What's impressive is the revenue has grown 20 times since 2021 it was 7.6 million, now it's 160 million. Mm-hmm. So it's really taking off. Um, you know, we've got a 62% margin, still got a, a cash in the bank of 116 million. I mean, look, it's not cheap. They have two, $2.3 billion 
market cap value. However, they've got a huge market here and mm -hmm. making a big difference in you know, this area. So look, they've got a number of products um, and uh, uh, yeah, look, the trend, the trend looks great. And they're also now not burning cash like they have been. And uh, there's, there's some really great products they've got in the pipeline here. Yeah. So, well, yeah. that's great. Then the investment committee will have to discuss Telix Pharma at its next meeting. Thanks to these guys, a double buy, another one too for the show so far. Now we move into territory that is very big cap. It's a very well-worn story when it comes to Qantas. That's the next on the list. Thanks so much for writing in, Mike, about Qantas. Hope you're watching or listening. There's so much to consider when it comes to Qantas, right? We can talk about demand, we can talk about price, we can talk about oil price, you know, all of these things. But but what Qantas has been doing, really, even if you don't like what it's doing, has been kicking the ball out of the park. Yeah, and price gouging. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, I had two clients come down for a course I led in Sydney, and they paid a thousand dollars return from it's one from Brisbane and one from Melbourne. I mean, really, you know, um, but. Look, they, it's a turnaround story, isn't it? You know, 1.4 billion net profit was huge. Um, so it's hard, you know, now that COVID's lifted, more people are traveling. So um, look, I'm, I'm gonna have to say it's a buy, um, given that turnaround story, uh, even though I'm not a you know, preferred traveler of Qantas, I'd rather Emirates or some other, or Singapore. But uh, nevertheless, uh, they look like they're, they're implementing some changes. They've got new aircraft fleet that they're, implementing, I think they're buying one every three weeks, they said. So they're also getting long range aircraft where they'll do direct flights from Sydney to, I think from Sydney to London and Sydney to New York, or, mm. or it might be Perth. To, I Perth think it's to Perth like, to London. Perth to London, but Sydney to New York is uh, are going to be their long range um, fleet that they're uh, buying as well. Uh, that's what I read recently, but um, yeah, look, it's, and it's, the trend's holding up, and given the market uh, conditions, um, look, I, I was I was wavering as a hold or a buy, but given the, that that half yearly result, I'm just going to go out and say it's a buy. I think, um, and I think this half will show you know the same result, and you know it's not expensive in terms of the the multiples, but um, yeah, that's it's a soft buy. Let me put it that way. Yeah, there's a in between a hold and a buy. It's a soft buy. Yeah, so Qantas is inaugurating a direct flight from New York to Sydney via Auckland, New Zealand. Well, that's not direct, is it? Anyways, I'm getting obsessed with that for my own personal reasons. Um, so buy, or, or are we sort of peak Qantas right now? Because again, you know, so many times over the years, I've been told, probably by you as well, you know, airlines are so difficult yeah. as an investment. It's a notoriously bad investment. Um, times are good for Qantas right now, but the question is how long will it last? I really want to call it a sell, but I can't. Uh, yeah. The fundamentals are too strong. I'm also teetering between a hold and a buy. Recent result was strong, not just for Qantas, but for all the travel stocks, yeah. corporate travel, Hello World, um, Flight Centre, all put out good earnings through uh, results. When in doubt, always by the market leader. Qantas is the market leader by, by daylight. Yeah, it has some government support, but it, it, it's, it's still the market leader. Um, consumers holding up, corporates holding up, despite extraordinary high prices. 
Um, so what that tells you when, and it will be when prices come down, demand will continue to rise, right? People who probably couldn't afford to travel probably didn't, stayed more domestically, they'll start to fly. We're at full employment, will eventually um, increase uh, our unemployment levels, but there are corporates who would definitely be saying, it's too expensive to fly, let's do a Zoom, but when prices come down, um, that, that will reverse. We're yet to see international travel really back to pre-COVID levels. So again, once sure foreign capacity will come on, but then demand it goes both ways. So um, the good times won't be here forever, but I'm not convinced that they'll disappear anytime soon. People would still rather fly than not. So I think the momentum that Qantas had in its first half will carry it through at least into the second half. I, I want to call it a sell. I can't. Conditions are just too strong. Mm. You always back to market leader. So I'm actually going to call it a buy. It might only be 12 months, but in markets like today with, with other industries imploding, um, you know, the the immediate future for the travel industry, you know, oil prices, I think, were down again overnight. Mm. Uh, conditions aren't going to fall in a heap in a hurry if we manage the interest rate rises. Um, gradually, um, I just can't see them suffering the earnings heap that retailers and, and other sectors will have it won't be a sudden stop because there's still this pent-up demand that isn't flying because of the price and the second melbourne to sydney becomes two to three hundred bucks again everyone's flying mm. to melbourne for the weekend to watch the real footy not not, not the uh, nrl oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did i say that out <laughs> well i i can't take the bait i just have no comment on that one but yeah i get it <laughs> okay um you know just to to bolster what these guys are saying macquarie is an outperform on the company morgan's an ad morgan stanley and overweight credit Suisse outperform or is that a hold and UBS has downgraded it to neutral from buy, but that is based on its share price lift uh, over the past uh, you know, year or so. So there you go, that's Qantas for you, Mike. Let's get to the next on the list. This one is for Tim and it is Money Me. So Money Me is basically a lender, it's personal loans, I think mm-hmm. primarily or exclusively. Um, so it's, it's online. And uh, you can get sort of fast cash from Money Me, um, but th- mm. this is again, this is an interesting business to consider in light of where we are in the cycle, interest rate rises, and yeah. the like. Oh, it's been a horrible trend. This one, gosh, you wouldn't want to be on the back of it. I mean, it's fallen down to a level, though. I mean, I, I don't. I'm just looking at these numbers. I haven't really had, had a close look at this company until uh, recently uh, for the show. But look at that share price. I mean, it's gone from a, on that chart there, a dollar fifty-five down to twelve cents. I've got to say, down here, they've just turned around and made a profit of $9 million. They've got a market cap, I think, $32 million, but yeah. net assets of $122? I mean, um, I, you know, it's like, really? Uh, so, look, down here, they're, they're, I mean, look, their age group, they're, they're, they're managing the risk profile really well. It's, it's really accessible to a broad range age group, you know, 55%. In fact, of the medium age customer is um, 51 years plus. Uh, 18 to 25 is 12%, 26 to 35 year olds is 33% of their business. So they've got a really broad geographical spread as well. I mean, they're involved also in terms of sectors, the construction, logistics, health, healthcare, sector manufacturing, hospitality, uh, in, in terms of loans. So they've got, um, you know, their receivables as well managed. Um, that's uh, 49 to 60 months is 30%. Over 60 months is 24% in terms of their receivables and the rest are, you know, much shorter time frames as well. So look, they're, 
that delinquency rate is really low. But again, that could move up, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but geez, down here, it's tempting to have a bite of the cherry, I've got to say, at 12 cents. Um, Why do you think its share price has been under such pressure? I think it's just the whole sector itself. Yeah. Uh, but look, I'm going to say a speculative, a speculative buy down here, given that uh, the profit they've just announced and plus the discount to net assets. Uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it as a speculative buy, but you wouldn't aggressively go in there and put your you know, 10% of your super in there, that's for sure. Yeah, okay, got it. What do you think, Philip? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I think it's been, it's not a buy now, pay later, but it's been caught up in the whole buy now, pay later and concerns around the banks. Um, I'm going to call it a sell because it's in the wrong space. Um, Non-bank lender when other non-bank, well, other bank lenders are getting into trouble. Um, Credit growth is going to slow. We know that. There will probably be a flight for quality. The the bigger lenders, the bank lenders, will probably be more aggressive in trying to win market share and maintain market share. Funding costs are going up for everybody. Australia is much better managed than the US, but you saw what happens in the US when you haven't got your funding costs when you've got a mismatch between your borrowing costs and your lending costs, um, mm. you can get some issues. So my view on the sector is there'll be flight to quality, flight to bigger bigger lenders, especially if you're, um, if you go through the broking network, which will probably win more share. I just think they're going to, it was, it was a solid first half result, good tenor, and market loves, the market loves when a company goes from loss making to profit making, mm. and yet we still have that chart. So people are looking for an opportunity to exit. I just think it'll struggle to attract eyeballs. I would wait six months, uh, probably even 12 months to see where does their loan book settle, where did the default rate settle, can they actually attract money from the tier one lenders going forward. And I personally, I think they'll struggle. Uh, it's 30 mil market cap. It's on nobody's radar at, at that size. So I, I would call it an avoid. Okay. Uh, I, it's speculative, it's speculative yeah. though. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would have put ten percent of the super fund in it. As, as no, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, look, I, I'm, it's a speculative. I've still rated it as a speculative buy. I just think down here, gosh, it's um, I, the numbers. I look looked great. at you to see if your mind had been changed, but he's sticking with it. Sticking yeah. with that specy buy. Yes. You, you could get a mid-tier lender saying, "I'll take you over," yeah. um, which can happen. Yeah, um, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it's. Um, I mean, you know, the turnover is not great. There's 300,000 shares turned over today. I'm just looking at it, but there's there's good depth of buying here. So, um, yeah, look, uh, I, I'll stick to my guns on this one. Got it. I like a little bit of disagreement anyways. Makes for good TV, doesn't it? Okay, Omni Bridgeway. Although they're both very polite in their disagreement, I will say. <laughs> Let's see if we can get agreement, disagreement, Omni Bridgeway. Philip, I'll start with you on this one. This is Brent, who's asked about it. It's, it's a litigator. It's a class action you know, uh, lawsuit group, yeah. publicly listed, I think since probably early 2000s. Uh, what do you think about Omni? I, I think it's a sell. There's been a few of these listed. It's a very tough space. Mm. They had a pretty ordinary result where their loss doubled from, I think it was 18 mil to 42 mil for Not the a period. Great trade, um, lost a material, yeah. uh, I had a judgment against them. West Gem uh, was 250 mil against them about six months ago, bleeding cash. Um, it's a funding litigator, funding costs going up. It's just not a sector you need to play in. It's, it's very volatile. It's, it's not for the faint-hearted. Uh, their recent track record hasn't been great. Share price. Share price, oh. people have been bailing out ever since the result. Uh, and that chart, not a chartist, but I can tell you my experience, that doesn't turn around anytime soon um, with the outlook mm-hmm. they've given. 
uh, and the cash that they're burning. Uh, it's just not a sector you need to play. It's, it's not a stock I would put in front of people. I, I would call it a definite sell. Yeah, like uh, it's a double sell. Uh, I can cannot see any any um, reason to buy this stock right now. It's a, you're trying to catch a falling knife um, down here. It's just yeah, look as Philip just outlined. You know they're burning through the cash. They've got about I think 200 million cash left. They've got a market cap of still around 650 million. Um, it just that they've been losing money. They haven't been winning their cases. That's for sure. So, so to get back to being positive. So look, there's uh, three brokers out there. They've got they've probably revised this target of five dollars on the stock, which is 50, you know 100 percent higher than where it is. I personally. Just can't see it. Um, they really, you're flipping a coin here that they're going to win these cases and you know big payouts. But it's highly speculative. Yeah, sorry, just the track record doesn't uh, doesn't give me any uh, incentive to buy this one. No confidence going forward. All right, so that is Omni Bridgeway, and that is a double sell. So let's just go back and revisit what we've learned in this past half hour or so. So Genworth, or Helia as it's now called, look, it's a trading buy for David Novak from Wealthwise Education. He says, look at the yields and there's a buyback in play. That's why Philip would continue to hold it. But look, he reckons that interest rates and rises on that front have yet to bite, but they will eventually. Telix Pharmaceutical, this will be put to the investment committee. It's a double buy long term in uh, Philip's view, but it's selling stuff just basically uh, when it comes to the biotech space. It's not not often what you get. And David points out that the trend is really holding up and uh, it's moving to cash flow positive, which is a real, you know, which is a real positive. It's a buy for him. Qantas, it's a buy again for both of my guests. Um, it's a turnaround story in David's view. And it's still got a way to run. The fundamentals are just too good for Philip to call it anything other than a buy, pointing out that it is the market leader. Demand will still be there even as the economy slows because prices will likely come down as well. Money me, it is a specky, a specky buy for David, a horrible trend, but he's saying it looks really cheap considering the assets on its books. Um, look, just have a very small bite of the cherry. Do not put a whole bunch of money in there. It is a specky buy. Now sell, it's a sell if you wanna speak with Philip. So you'll have to decide who you're siding with here. He says it's just the wrong space. It's a non-bank lender. Credit growth will slow. Uh, people will likely go to some of the bigger institutions, but it could be a takeover target, but it's still a sell for him. And Omni Bridgeway, you just heard the guys talking about it. It's a sell for both. Look, I just want to squeeze in one final sort of general question for you guys. Philip, is David, you know, is it okay? Well, we still have a lot of this uncertainty. We don't know where this banking crisis will end to just hold some cash right now. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, cash rates are going up, so you'd be you'd be crazy not to. All cash-like investments. Some of the um, some of the larger companies we deal with are issuing convertible notes um, or bonds that give you a good return. So you have a kind of link to their earnings, but you're getting a yield, um, not not an equity um, link. So absolutely, you should be holding some cash at the moment because if markets fall, you want the firepower to buy the dips, as they say, a dollar cost down, average down, as opposed to but put 10% of one stock in your portfolio at once where you might get the timing wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I, I'm at 50% cash. I've been for a little while since the highs. Mm -hmm. um, but I tell you what, there are some bargains out there. It's just like you just got to get your buy list ready. 
Um, you know, it's a bit like that movie, it reminds me of the movie Marathon Man, you know, I mean, Dustin Hoffman <laughs> is in the chair and the guy, the villain, drilling into him and he's about to hit his nerve and he says, is it safe, you know, it's a bit, <laughs> is it safe to go back in? But honestly, some of the stocks that um, we've mentioned today, like you know, DDH, for example, uh, you know, they're just unbelievable. But, but, you know, you just don't know where the bottom is here um, at the moment. So you've got to, you've got to really pick, be very, be very picky in this market. Don't go guns blazing right now. Um, and just get ready to for your shopping list, have your shopping list ready, and just to have a few picks here and there. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, well, we got some today for our guests. Thank you, David. Thanks. It's always good Pleasure. to have you in. You too as well, Philip. Really appreciate it. That was a good program. Don't forget to give us your requests, the call at osbiz.com.au. We look at every single email that comes in. Sometimes it takes us a little bit to get them on the list, to get them with the appropriate guest. It's a little bit of craft that goes to putting this show together, but we do love getting your emails in. Thanks for watching. Stay with us. We'll bring you through the pulse next. Mm -hmm.